May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I want to welcome you today as we wrap up our series called Working It Out. And uh, in this series, we've been talking about how God wants to be involved in our work. Now, remember, our work is, might be something that we get a paycheck for, but it also might be something that we don't get a paycheck for. I mean, it could be like volunteering or being a stay-at-home parent or being retired but yet still be very, very active. It could be any of those things. But whatever we do regularly, that is our work. Now, my first job ever was as a bag boy at Albertson's Grocery Store. And I was eventually promoted to stalker, and I worked there throughout the rest of my time in high school. Um, in October of my senior year, in October of my senior year, I made a public commitment that I was going to go into ministry as a career, and then I made, it's from that point, that I started making plans to attend Baylor University. Well, while working at the grocery store, um, I, I had worked hard enough to where my performance garnered the attention from some of the senior management. So in April of my senior year, two months before I graduated, um, they came to me and they said, hey, we want to offer you a promotion. We want you to become the assistant manager of your entire department. And that had a starting salary of just over $61,000. I was pumped, man. I could not believe it. I was freaking out. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is unbelievable. So I went home and I told my dad, and I was like, hey dad, if I can just delay going to college just like by two years, then I could pretty much bank all that money, have most of the college, most of the college paid for. It's a win-win. It's going to be great. And my dad said to me, he said, Michael, he always called me Michael when we were like serious. He's like, Michael, I don't think that's a very wise choice. Because um, if you take that job, you're going to get off track of what God wants you to do. And you probably won't save near as much money as you think. And you'll get to the end of that and you'll think, well, you know what? I needed to work just one more year. And then just one more year. And then you might not ever do what God has asked you to do. And then he said this. He said, never trade what God has asked you to do for money. So I went back to the store and told them that I wasn't going to accept the promotion. And sure enough, I just went to college that fall to pursue my career in ministry. And honestly, I've never regretted it. In fact, I honestly think that if I had accepted that promotion, I might not ever have gone to college. I might not ever have gone to the ministry. And I wouldn't be here today. And God would have used someone else to start Parkway Fellowship. Probably someone taller. But I'll never forget what my dad said to me that day. He said to me, he said, never trade what God wants you to do for money. Never trade what God wants you to do for money. You know, and I've thought about that, 
And I really honestly think that the evil one, the devil, would try every trick in the book to get any of us to trade what God wants us to do for money. Now, look, I don't mean that everybody in this room should go into the ministry. That's what I'm saying. But I do think there probably are some people in this room that God's calling to go into ministry. But what I am saying is that God does not want you and I to trade what he wants us to do at our work just to make money at work. That's what I think what God is saying to us. Um, I mean, have you ever been at work, you know, whatever your work is, whatever it is, and you've wondered, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Am I doing this just to make money? Is what I do something that actually matters in life? Am I really making a difference? Because I'm not sure that manufacturing oil pipe and driving carpool and planning marketing strategies really makes that big of a difference in life. And and I totally understand that dilemma. And God does too, which is why in the passage that we're going to read today, we're going to take a peek into the lives of two people that were probably wondering the very same thing. Now look, as we read this passage this morning, you need to pay close attention because you could get really lost really fast, okay? So I'm going to try to explain it clearly and you try to follow it closely, right? Now, the passage this morning is about a husband and a wife, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, okay? I mean, with names like that, you got to get married, right? So anyway... I want you to check out the ride that Priscilla and Aquila are about to go on. So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. It begins in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. It says this. It says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. I want you to circle the word Corinth because it's important. There, he met a Jew named Aquila, that's the husband, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, Because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Circle, leave Rome. So they had been in Rome, but got kicked out. Paul went to see them, and and I want you to underline the rest of this. Because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Okay, so make sure you're up to speed. Priscilla and Aquila had a tent making business in Rome, all right? But the emperor Claudius kicked all the Jews out of Rome, so Priscilla and Aquila had to leave. So they were in Rome, they had to leave, and so now they go to Corinth. And I'm willing to bet that at some point they had the same conversation that you and I have had at some point in time. And they said, why are we doing this? What is the point of making tents? Our whole lives just got turned upside down and our business got just got shut down by something that was totally outside of our control and now we have to start all over but to what end what is the point of it anyway and it was at that moment that the apostle paul walked through the door of their tent making shop in that new town of corinth And Paul was also a tent maker. Now, we don't have any verses that say that Paul led 
Priscilla and Aquila to become Christ followers. So we don't know whether for sure he did or not, but it'd be pretty hard, I think, to be in business with the Apostle Paul and not become a Christ follower at some point. So the story continues in Acts 18. Um, Acts 18, verse 18 and 19 so says this. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, underline this, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. So now they're with Paul. That's how we know that they've become Christ followers for sure, because now they're following Paul around. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Centria because of a vow he had taken. They arrived, now circle this, at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. Circle all that. At Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila, he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Okay? All right. So now check it out. Priscilla and Aquila are now in Ephesus with Paul. And what are they doing? They're making tents, okay? In fact, here's a picture of the ruins at Ephesus. Check it out. This is the ruins of the marketplace in Ephesus. And you can see, designated by the columns, where each of these shops would have been all jam-packed together. Now, do you know what this means? It means that even in the ancient world, there were strip centers. So Priscilla and Aquila, get this, they make tents by day, but they start churches by night. Because look what Paul says when he writes back to the church in Corinth. Look at this next verse. In 1 Corinthians 16, 9, he says, The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does, underline this, the church that meets at their house. Now remember, they're in Ephesus. So by the word house, I want you to write the words in Ephesus right there. So listen, they're in Ephesus, and they've started a church with Paul, but it starts in their house. Okay, now let's, don't get lost, hang with me. Let's backtrack just for a second. It's from this same verse that we also learn that Priscilla and Aquila were key figures back here in Corinth, okay? Because Paul, when Paul writes to the church in Corinth in this verse, he makes sure that he mentions Priscilla and Aquila. And why would he do that unless pretty much everybody in the entire church would have known who they were because of their prominence? So it's very likely that Priscilla and Aquila helped Paul start the church in Corinth, and now they're starting a church in Ephesus. Okay? Now the story gets even better. Because either because Priscilla and Aquila were homesick or because God was calling them to, they moved back to their hometown in Rome. And what do you think they do? They make tents by day and start churches by night. Because when Paul writes to the church in Rome, here's what he says in Romans 16. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila because this is where they are. They're in Rome. My fellow workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me. But not, uh, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Okay, check it out, because this giant history lesson is actually going somewhere, all right? Priscilla and Aquila, tent makers, they were once questioning why they were doing what they were doing at all. And it's now that they realized that it was God that allowed them to be kicked out of Rome where they had to move to Corinth. 
because it is there that God wanted them to meet Paul, who was also a tent maker. And they helped Paul start a church in Corinth, then they moved to Ephesus to help him start a church there, and then they moved back to Rome and helped him start a church there. Look, and in all these places, their tent, make, their tent making business helped them get all of these churches off the ground. Look, they weren't making tents because the world needed more tents. They were making tents because God wanted them to meet Paul. They needed a business model that they could set up pretty much anywhere in the world. And then they used their tent making business to launch their church building business. And through all of that, their lives were changed. And the lives of thousands of people in Rome, in Corinth, and in Ephesus were also changed. And lives are continued to being changed today as their story reaches across the centuries through the pages of the Bible to you and to me today. Because look, making tents was an earthly means to a kingdom end. Making tents was an earthly means to a kingdom end. Just tent makers? No. These two people were kingdom builders. They were kingdom builders. Okay, so what's the big deal? What is the big point of it all? Okay, now we're going to finally get to one of the fill-ins. All right? Here's your big point of today is that I need to trust that I'm strategically placed by God at my work. I need to trust that I am strategically placed by God at my work. Just like Priscilla and Aquila were strategically placed, so you are strategically placed at your work. You might think, man, I'm not strategically placed. I was transferred by corporate. <laughs> or I was demoted. Or you know, I was reassigned, or my previous venture, or the venture I'm doing now is a fallback to my fallback plan of my previous venture that didn't work out. Look, it doesn't matter your story. You are strategically placed by God right where you are. You might not know it, you might not understand it, you might not see it, you might not even believe it, but that doesn't make it any less true. That doesn't make it any less true. Now, because when you begin to see God at your work, and you begin to look for him at your work, you'll begin to see his hand in it all and how he has orchestrated it all for his glory and for his purposes. Now look, this does, that doesn't mean that you can't look for a new job. You can. Just pray about every step of the process, and God will never lead you to take a false step. All right, But the point is, you are strategically placed by him. And because you are strategically placed by him, this has some key implications. Here's the first. These are your bullet points. The first one is, don't complain about, parent, about apparent setbacks. Because I don't know how God might use them to accomplish his plans. Now, you've got to write in his plans because we left off the underline there. So, his plans. Look, you might have some setbacks along the way in life. In fact, you probably will. But don't view it as a setback. Because sometimes a setback is a setup for a comeback. 
all right? So, so if you have a setback, whether it's you know, financial or career or with your education or kids or teens or family or you know, anything else, don't spend your time complaining. Spend your time praying. Spend your time seeking. Spend your time obeying. Do what Priscilla and Aquila did. Trust God for the next step and then take it. Just take that next step. But here's the deal. Don't complain about it because you might find yourself complaining about God's plan for your life. That's what might end up happening. Look, for Priscilla and Aquila, getting kicked out of Rome and going to Corinth was God's plan because that's how they met the Apostle Paul. And if you're following Jesus and you experience a perceived setback, don't get down and, co- and complain. Get ready. Because you never know what God is doing and what's right around the corner. Implication number two is this. Second bullet point. God might, God might have put me at my work for something more than my job. God might have put me at my work for something more than my job. Look, the Lord led Priscilla and Aquila to become tent makers, not just to make tents. That wasn't the point. He led them to become tent makers because he wanted them to meet the Apostle Paul. And Paul changed their lives. And they changed Paul's life because they became key players in helping him start churches all across the Mediterranean world. Look, you never know why God has you doing what you're doing. It might be because he wants you to meet someone that'll change your life. Maybe he wants someone to meet you because he's going to use you to change their life. Or maybe he wants you to pick up some sort of a skill or some sort of experience or knowledge where you are because it's something that he wants to use for his purposes on down the road. The point is, you don't really know. It doesn't make any difference. But remember, for Priscilla and Aquila, making tents was an earthly means to a kingdom end. And in the same way, what you are doing can be an earthly means to a kingdom end. But here's what I want you to be careful about. Never trade what God wants you to do for money. Never trade what God wants you to do for money. What I mean by this is don't ever compromise your morals or your values to make a sale, to win a client, to impress your boss, to get ahead. And if you know what God wants you to do in pursuing a specific career, don't accept a promotion at a grocery store. Seriously. Stay on the path that God has you on. Don't ever trade what God wants you to do for money. Because look, if you trade your commitment to Christ for money, you lose. Because money will only take you so far here on this earth. But your commitment to Christ pays rewards in heaven that will last for all eternity. Third bullet point. Start looking for God opportunities to share and to care. 
Start looking for God opportunities to share and to care. Look, since you are strategically placed, then look for opportunities to share with other people about Christ. Look for ways to show other people that you care about them, and perhaps that will open the door for you to begin to share with them about Jesus and what he means to you and what he has done in your life. Now, the pushback might be that your company has specific rules or policies that restrict or govern behaviors or conversations that you can have. But look, here's the deal. You have rights. And if you want to know your workplace rights, I would really encourage you to go to a website, uh, um, and here it is, we're going to put it on the screen. It's aclj.org. Write that down somewhere. aclj.org. That's the American Center for um, Law and Justice. They have a great set of articles about rights in the workplace. I'd encourage you to go read them. But bottom line, look for opportunities to share about Christ and to care about other people. Um, earlier this week, I received an email from someone in our church, and she's given me permission to read it to you here this morning. She says this, she says, good afternoon, Pastor Mike. I wanted to share how God has used me at my workplace with this series. So here's the breakdown. I'm the director of HR for a subsidiary of a national publicly traded company. We have 175 people in my location, and, I'm pretty, and I pretty much own all the people stuff and have the responsibility of influencing the culture. After being greatly affected by this series, I've taken my sermon notes and posted them on the wall by my computer for a visual reminder. Through, that, uh, through just basic interactions this week, I've had the opportunity to share parts of this series with eight separate people. I'm amazed at how my view of work has changed. I now feel a true joy in my daily work, which can sometimes be filled with negative actions like having to counsel an employee. On Friday, the regional president with 19 subsidiaries and over 5,000 employees stopped by my office. Through a brief conversation, he discovered that I was working on Monday, that was on Labor Day, to assist with payroll. His words to me, you are a blessing here. Well, that one comment opened the door for me to share about this series with him. And imagine how God can use him, not only within our region, but perhaps with his colleagues in the five other regions as well. This series has completely changed my view of work, and parts of it will be incorporated into the new employee orientation. As always, we are blessed by how God uses the park to open our eyes on ways that we can reach the lost at any cost. Thank you for your service. Thank you, Kelly McGuire. How cool is that? My goodness, I couldn't believe it. Because look, here's the deal. You have been strategically placed. And so now it is your turn to let God use you in your strategically placed position, whether it's at an office or in a classroom or in a community or on the PTO or in your neighborhood or wherever. But bottom line, let him use you for his purposes. Now that said, I'm calling our entire church to do two things this week. Here's the first. Number one, invite five people to the Unshakable series kickoff next Sunday. In your seat is a pack of five invite cards look exactly like this. Look, this week I want you to pass out all five invite cards and invite people to come to the kickoff of our fall campaign next Sunday. 
It's going to be awesome. Like Pastor Adam said, this is a campaign for people. This is not a campaign for money. Now, here's what we've done, if you, do, if you weren't here last week to hear my explanation. We've taken the top seven prayer requests that have been turned in to our church since the beginning of the year. And we're taking one week, and we're going to talk about each of those topics during this entire series. Because these are the biggest issues that deal the biggest blows in life. And God wants us to know what he says so that we can become unshakable. It is going to be an awesome series. It is going to be the perfect series to invite someone to. And you never know. God might have strategically placed you somewhere in life because you are the only person that would ever invite someone, that someone to church. So use these invite cards this week because it all starts next Sunday. All right. Here's the second thing. Second thing is this. Fast for 24 hours asking God to use me at work and to change the lives at the kickoff of the Unshakable series next Sunday. I'm calling our entire church to fast. And you don't have to be a member here for that. This, this can be for everybody. Now look, here's the deal. You can either do a water fast or a juice fast. Take your pick, whatever you want. But here's the deal. I would like you to fast dinner tonight, breakfast and lunch tomorrow, and then eat dinner tomorrow night, okay? And during that time when you're fasting, don't just spend that time being miserable and going hungry, okay? That's not the point. The point is, is to show God how hungry you are for him to do what only he can do. So you spend that time that you'd normally be eating, you would spend that time praying and asking God, ask him to use you at your work. Ask him to use you to be effective at inviting people and that he would change lives during the Unshakable series as we kick off that campaign next Sunday. But spend that time praying, 24 hours. So would you take 24 hours and join me and the rest of our staff to fast and ask God to do things that only he can do? I'm telling you, those are the kinds of prayers that God really answers. So here's what I want everybody to do. I want everybody to pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. And on the card and on the notes, I want you to check the next step or steps you're willing to take today. This first one. I will change my viewpoint and trust that I'm strategically placed by God at my work. Maybe for you, you just got to change your viewpoint that, hey, you're not just working, you know, to, to make tents or whatever it is you do, but you work there because you've been strategically placed by God. Number two, I commit to not complain about apparent setbacks, but instead commit to trust the Lord's plan. I mean, you never know when God is moving you from Rome to Corinth, not, not because you just, of something beyond your control, but because it really fits as part of his plan. You just have to trust it. Would you do that? Next. I'll begin to look for opportunities to share and to care at my work. It's a great commitment. Would you make that one? Next, using the invite cards, I will invite five people to the fall campaign, Unshakable. Would you make a commitment to invite? I'm telling you, me and the staff, we're inviting as many people as we possibly can. Would you make a commitment to invite five? Invite five people to come. It's going to be awesome. Next, I will fast for 24 hours this week for God to use me at work and for changed lives at the fall campaign. 
Ideally, I'd like for everybody to start tonight, dinner, tomorrow, breakfast, lunch. I mean, for some, you've got some weird circumstances that won't work, that's fine. Then pick a different 24 hours. But I'm, I'm telling you, I know, if you, if you don't make a commitment and do it, then the chances of it happening are not good. So make a commitment, start tonight, if at all possible. But let's all fast together and ask God to do what only he can do. Next, I want to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. You know, maybe you've been thinking about this for a few weeks. See, at the bottom of your message, though, there's a sample prayer for how to become a Christ follower. Have you ever prayed that prayer or one like it? If you've never become a Christ follower, you've never prayed that prayer one like it, I'm going to give you a chance to do that here in just a moment. You can become a Christ follower today, and that way you can know for sure that you'll go to heaven when you die. But before we get to that, one last next step. Sign me or my child or teenager up for a small group. There's a name where you can write your name or your kid's name, and then the code. There's a code for a small group. It's inside the um, small group's catalog. So if you haven't signed up for a small group, do so. Listen, we're, clo- we're getting, closing in on over 1,600 adults, children, and teenagers signed up for a small group. In fact, let's do this. If you or any member of your family are already signed up for a small group, put your hand up in the air right now. Everybody. All right, keep it up. Everybody look around. That is doggone near almost everybody in the room. Put them down. So if you're not raising your hand, check the box and be a part of a small group. I'm telling you, look, here's the thing. You cannot be strategic for God if you're doing it all by yourself. You have to have other people supporting you. And small group is a great place to find support from other adults. It's a great place for your kids and your teenagers to find support for their friends when they come to small group because they're going to, you want God to use your kids at school, don't you? So get your kids signed up for a small group. You get signed up for a small group. Your whole family should be signed up for a small group. My whole family is. So get signed up for a small group today if you're not doing it because small groups start next week. So this is your chance to do it. Now, here's what I'd like for everybody to do. I'd like for everybody to bow your heads, and I want you to look at your connection card with these next steps that you've taken. I want you, as you look at these next steps, I want you to do business with God. I want you to ask God to use you to change your part of the world, or your time at work, or people at your work through these next steps. Whatever that is, I want you to do it. But I'm going to give you a few moments right now. Do business with God. And if you're ready to become a Christ follower, this is your chance to pray that prayer. So I'm going to ask everybody right now, begin to pray and do business with God. Father, I'm asking you in Jesus' name that you would help all of us to be strategic because you have strategically placed each one of us at our workplace or at school or in our neighborhood or on a sports team or wherever. And God, I ask that you would help each of us to reflect your glory. God, that you would use each one of us to become salt and light wherever you have placed us because we're the light of the world shining for you pointing people to you. And I'm so proud, Lord, of 
so many people in our church that already do that for Kelly and the opportunities you've already given her, but I ask that you would multiply those opportunities literally by the thousands and you would help everybody in our church to seize those opportunities and to be used by you to be your light. Bring us back safely next week along with so many of our friends and neighbors and coworkers for the kickoff of the Unshakable series. And I ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.